What is up, my loves? Welcome back to another episode of the Healthy and Happy Podcast. We have something a little bit different for you today, which I am so excited about. We have our first guest, other than my husband, Mark, on this podcast. My first interview, if you will. I spoke in a recent episode about what you can expect moving forward with the Healthy and Happy Podcast, and I let you know that I'm going to be bringing on some of the people who have inspired me the most, my mentors, people I look up to, and people who I know if they've changed my life in any way, they are going to change yours as well. Today's guest is a powerful one to start with. She's one of my favorite people in the world, and I'm sure she's going to be one of your favorite people in the world after you listen to this episode in full. But just to give you a little bit of background before we get into today's episode, I'm so excited to bring you today's guest, Bryn Nicole. You've probably heard that name before, but if you haven't, let me just fill you in. Bryn is best known as a professional dancer, choreographer, and dance teacher. She is very well known for her brand, Pumpfidence, which if you've ever seen any of those epic videos of women doing insane dances in heels, you've probably seen one of Bryn's videos. She's been on world tours. She's choreographed and worked with some of the biggest artists in the music industry. And I don't mean to name drop, but in this case, we totally have to because it's insane. She's worked with Snoop Dogg, Jay Sean, Lil Wayne, Pitbull, Nick Cannon, Mike Posner, so many more. The list goes on and on. So you may know Bryn through her epic viral dance videos on YouTube and Instagram, but there's so much more that meets the eye. Over the past few years, Bryn started to notice there was a need in her dance rooms for more connection and authenticity. She didn't just want her dancers to come in and feed their egos and dance just in order to be featured on her viral videos. She wanted them to use dance as an opportunity to deeply connect with themselves and get in touch with their inner world. She decided to expand beyond in-person classes at her home studios in Los Angeles and begin her online membership community going in with Bryn. Now, Bryn is both a dance and spiritual mentor. She bridges the gap between dance and divinity, and she has a monthly membership that bridges dance and spirituality. I'm a member of her membership, and I personally love it, which we talk all about in this episode. She also hosts live in-person events in LA, like her Watch Her Unfold event and three-part live series, which you should definitely take advantage of if you're based in LA. I know I would be there for every single event if your girl lived in LA, so you should definitely check those out if you are. So that's a lot of background information about Bryn, but we honestly go into so much detail in this episode. We talk about her background, her story, how she got started, how she built such a powerful, well-known brand for herself, the power of not stopping until you get the result you're dreaming of, the key ingredient in the manifestation of her dance career, the importance of being business-minded in a creative industry, whether or not she believes finding your passion is an actual thing, what it was like working and touring with powerhouse artists, the power of showing up in your divine feminine energy as well as your divine masculine energy, why it's important to give 100% of your best to every single thing you do in life. And on a personal note, we also talk about Bryn's experience with OCD and how that impacted and shifted pretty much every single thing in her life. The steps she used to be able to overcome that, what it means to be conscious and take back control of your thoughts and therefore your life, creating your own reality. And she even gives us tips on how to work through struggling with food and body image issues. And there's just so much juicy goodness in this episode. Holy cow, I can't wait for you guys to listen to it. I honestly could have talked to Bryn for six hours. Her and I even got off and did a one-on-one call after this, and we talked for probably three hours the night that we recorded this. I joined Bryn's membership, which again, we talk about at length near the end of this episode. 
about a year ago when I was really struggling with my relationship with myself. I felt lost during quarantine and the pandemic, and I was desperate to reconnect with myself. So I participated in Bryn's membership, her three-part lives, and one-on-one sessions. Obviously, I can't get enough of Bryn, and I think you'll feel the same after this episode. And all of that was such an essential part of my healing, which is why I felt so strongly about sharing her with you guys. Bryn is truly the embodiment of what it means to be so deeply connected to yourself that it pours into every other area of your life, which is so obvious when you see her in action and how brilliant she is as a dancer, a mother, and a mentor. Thank you, Bryn, so much for sharing your heart with us and dropping so much goodness on all of us. I tell Bryn this all the time, but I honestly would not be where I am today without her membership, without her mentorship and her guidance as a friend and a mentor. So Bryn, I thank you for always doing the work to get to know yourself so deeply that you can help others do just that. Your work in this world matters so deeply. I'm so excited for everyone who's listening to know and love you as much as I do. Without further ado, here's my first and super incredible guest on the Healthy and Happy Podcast, Bryn Nicole. Welcome to the Healthy and Happy Podcast, a workshop-style podcast hosted by yours truly, Julie Brewer. I'm a blogger and holistic nutrition coach on a mission to help women live healthier, happier lives and show up as the strongest, most confident version of themselves. In this podcast, we get real about all things nutrition, fitness, and personal development to help you cut through all the BS and transform your body and most importantly, your life. Sound good? Let's dive in. Hi, Bryn. Welcome to the Healthy and Happy Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, my girl, Julie. I'm so excited to be here talking with you. Me too. Bryn is actually, you know, you're my first guest. I just told you that, but it's very, very exciting to me. And this is such a huge honor just to give everyone a background story, which I think this is going to be a new story for you, Bryn. I was just looking up how I found you because I was like, I know I used to watch your dance videos, but what was the one? And I remember vividly finding you on YouTube and watching the Missy Elliott, I'm really hot video from Millennium back in the day with like the brick wall and the whole thing. And back in the day when it wasn't very well produced, all the videos were just people putting stuff out there. And I remember I would watch right. all of your videos in bed before I went to bed because I was oh. like, I just want to be this girl. <laughs> She's amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, my oh. husband's like, oh, is that your booty shaking friend, Bryn? <laughs> so that's, oh, I love that I'm known yeah, as that. Booty shaking Bryn. So welcome to the yeah. podcast, booty shaking Bryn. But you have <laughs> grown so much since then. You've evolved so much, which we're going to get uh. into today. I already recorded the intro about you and all you're about, but is there anything that you can just share with us? Getting to know Bryn behind the scenes a little bit. Tell us about you, who you are, where you're from, what you do. Yes, I would love to. My name is Bryn. <laughs> My name is Bryn, as you know. And I, since I can remember, I wanted to be a dancer. That was the biggest passion I had since I was little. I knew it at a very young age. And so by committing myself to classes and never stopping, I think that maybe that's the thing that I've been really good at is never stopping. And then I can see how that has just been the the leading component in anything I've done being successful, whether it was an accomplishment within dance, an accomplishment within a relationship, an accomplishment within my own mental or emotional behaviors, you know, just not stopping until you got a result that you wanted. And so I just, yeah, um, 
pretty naturally applied that. But I also, you know, when I was little, the the major things that were showcased on television, because social media was not around when I was little, were, were music videos. And so those music videos were very, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, is it, they were a key ingredient in, in the manifestation of my own career. The thing that uh, music videos showed me too was a level of artistry that also was really important to me. So if in hindsight, I just look back and I see all the things that lit me up and I see how I followed them. And I understand in hindsight, like what elements of what things lit me up, why they lit me up. And I used to love the idea of being a recording artist, but after pursuing it and it not working for me, I realized that like what I really loved about that was the fact that recording artists had a platform to speak and dancers at the time didn't. Mm. You know, at the time, dancers were just, they were the beautiful movement behind the person who got to speak. And that was not what I wanted to be. I wanted to be the artist that not only danced, but also got to speak. And so when music fell through, you know, that's when I realized that like, okay, if I am not going to be a recording artist, then I just care that I have a platform to spread messages. And I threw that up to the universe to see how that was going to come back in in what form it was going to come. And I was going to be patient. I was willing to be patient, you know, but then little did I know that when I was offered my slot at Millennium, that that was the manifestation in physical form of me getting to dance, perform, teach, create, and have a platform to send messages. And then my class has been the, the thing that birthed everything else that has come to surface with, like, you know, my monthly membership and confidence and one-on-ones and being able to do photo shoots and teach women how to do their makeup and all the stuff that has been integrated now, um, also involving the inner world, which I mean, I feel like I don't want to take over because I'm like, I could talk so fucking much about how everything came to the bigger picture that it is today. But hopefully, hopefully that answers your question. That was a perfect answer to the question. I think you summarized everything we're going to talk about today within a few minutes. So that's perfect. There are a few pieces I want to dive into there because there was one thing you said that I think is very important. And that's the fact that you, A, had a manifestation of this. You saw what you wanted to create and then you took the steps to create it. Did you know along the way that there were certain steps you needed to take? Did you have the vision in mind of, I want to be a successful dancer who goes on tour and do all these things and I want to have this class at Millennium? Or were those things that just came as a result of you putting in the hard work? So it really all started with me wanting to be a recording artist. And then I was very hands-on with what needed to go into that. So I, yes, I was. I knew who I needed to work with. I knew what I needed to do. And I knew how all the components that were necessary for that to become a successful path for me. So I I manifested and met with producers and I started recording songs and I knew I needed a choreographer. And I was very methodical about the choreographer I chose. And I was very business-minded about who I worked with because I knew whoever I work with, I'm going to also meet other people around who they're working with, they're connected to. So when I picked my choreographer, um, her name is Othan Burnside. I knew she was at the time choreographing for Kesha. And I had a goal of having Kesha on one of my songs because our music was kind of similar. And so I hired her with that business mentality. But what Othan actually ended up connecting me to or who Othan ended up connecting me to was Snoop instead, which was a different version of like the, a, a manifestation. And then Snoop, she invited him to my showcase because she believed in me as an artist and he couldn't make it to my showcase, but he ended up hiring her to choreograph for him for like five upcoming talk shows. And so like her reaching out to him 
put her back in his mind. And then when he asked her to to do the choreography for these five talk shows, she actually asked me to be one of the dancers because she knew that I funded myself. I was paying her from being a dancer. So it was very nice of her. She kind of knew like this money circulates through dance. So she hired me to dance for Snoop. And then that turned into a tour, which exposed me to a whole other world of dance that I didn't yet then know. I didn't think I wanted to pursue being a dancer. I thought I wanted to be this artist. But then it was the tour that shifted all of my dreams deeply. I was gone for about a year before I realized I didn't want to be a recording artist anymore. And then when I realized that, it was a scary thing for me because I thought I knew my end goal. I thought my end goal was music and being a recording artist. When I realized that was not my angle anymore, that was my first experience with not knowing exactly what I want to do. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And just briefly, just to finish that question that you asked me, because this is like, this is how I created space for the unknown. Without any like outside help, I knew that the right thing to do was to source the components of what I really love. And I knew in my heart, that it's better that I don't form it to the fullest extent, that I just know the components. And if I know the components, then I'll be happy with any form it comes in. And I won't be limited to a form that I am creating myself, if that makes sense. It was like my first experience with co-creation, even though I know we're always co-creating, it was conscious this time. And so, yeah, I, I said, you know, I set out to the universe. I said, dear God, universe, you know, at the time, I think I only referenced the universe says, God, I said, I, I know that I love dance and I, anything I do in my career, I know I want it to involve dance. I know that I want to perform and create. And I know with all my heart that I just want a platform to spread messages and like whatever form that needs to come in, I'm open, I'm open. And I just stuck with the components. I knew that the rest was going to unfold in whatever way was best if I left room for that. And then, yeah, not too long after, that's when I was offered my spot at Millennium. That's wild. And you were one of the first heels teachers at Millennium, weren't you? Yes, I was the third. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's an OG baby. I love She's it. She's an OG baby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love that. I was just going to say one of the most important things I think we could leave anybody with, like we could literally end the podcast right here and I think it would be impactful, <laughs> is oh. the fact that you said you remained open and you said, God, mm-hmm. I am open to whatever comes. And I think that's yeah. a big mistake a lot of people make when they're trying to manifest. They think they need the whole entire picture figured out. They need the end vision. They need the goal. They need the steps they need to take when really sometimes it's just like, hey, I love this particular thing and I remain open to whatever way that manifests in my life. How important do you think it is for people to be strategic about following their passion? Because it sounds like you particularly have known from a very young age what you wanted to do. And yes, it's shifted into many iterations. But for somebody who's listening, who's working maybe like a nine to five job and they're miserable at it and they're not happy, do you give people advice to follow their passion? And how would you even recommend somebody do that if they have no idea what that is? Yeah, the best way to go about integrating what you're really passionate about, what you really love into a career path of maybe something that you're just doing to make ends meet is to be as logical and passionate at the same time as you can be. For example, when I was 14, 15, right, I knew that I wanted to get a part-time job that could still serve me in certain ways that just any part-time job couldn't. I know I could have worked at a restaurant. I could have worked at an assistant to like 
I don't know, like any kind of business, like a front desk girl somewhere. But I was like, how can I make the most of this situation, knowing that this situation can spider web when I want it to? So for example, I was like, if I worked at the juice bar of this gym membership, I'm getting a free gym membership. And mm-hmm. how many people co- how many people come to the gym? All walks of life. I'm going to meet so many people that come to this gym. And not only am I going to meet so many people that come to this gym, these are all people that want a better lifestyle. They care about their body. They care about like maintaining it with health and well-being. Um, I'm probably going to meet a lot of people that have some deep self-love going on if they're here at the gym taking care of themselves in this physical you know, and emotional and mental way. And then on top of that, work at the juice bar, I'm going to get free food. So I was just very calculated about, okay, if I'm going to get a part-time job, how much can I get out of this part-time job, you know? Yeah. And I think if many people approached their job that way, like, okay, if I'm going to have a traditional job that maybe isn't completely sourced in my passion yet, how can I make the most of this job knowing that it can lead me into a deeper sense of what I'm passionate about. Like, how can this job not be too far from what I really love? So for another example, like if I knew I loved dance, I wanted to dance, but I didn't believe in my ability to do it as a career yet, I would work at the dance studio. I would involve myself in the environment of what I know I love, but maybe not in the most direct way, maybe in an indirect way, but at least I'm now around the environment I really want to be in because birds of a feather flock together. So it wouldn't make sense if you know you're passionate about something over here that you would then get a job that's so far from that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think one of the things you said there is very important as well, which is giving 100% to whatever you do. So even if you are in a job that's not necessarily exactly what you want to be doing, bringing the same type of energy to that particular job as opposed to what a lot of people do, I think, which is wait until they find this ideal career or ideal relationship or ideal this or ideal that. And then they think they're going to bring 100%. But if you haven't been bringing 100% and you're not as focused and driven in something that you think doesn't matter, how do you expect to bring that kind of energy to something that really does matter down the road? Totally. We have no idea how many connections everyone might have. You know, we have no clue what could come of an opportunity that we don't yet see. You know, like, for example, like my boyfriend, Ryan, like he has different connections than just his own job at T-Mobile. And if you did so good being in the position you're at at T-Mobile, then that person that's your manager there might go, hey, like you're so enjoyable. I actually have this side business going on that is like is helping me make X amount of money. Would you also like in on that side business? It's the smartest move you can make to just be your absolute shining self in everything that you do because you have no clue how that could truly be interconnected to the other place you might be desiring to go. Absolutely. And what would you say, what are the kind of attributes that you had to embody to reach such an insane level of success? And I know you're going to be like, girl, no, you, you're humble. I know, but it is more than <laughs> level of success. I mean, you've toured with famous artists. All of your classes pretty much are sold out. You have a huge following and now you have this incredible membership, which we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. But what would you, who did you have to become in order to make all of those things happen? As opposed to just what are the steps you had to take? I really think it's about embodying who you had to become. So who was that? It comes down to having a strong sense of self. If you don't have that strong sense of self, then anything that you go into, you won't be leaving an impact. And so when I, in hindsight, when I think about like, how did I book a job over a hundred other dancers that were in the room? 
or you know so and so forth or how did how did I get selected to have a solo in someone's class verse or why did I get selected by millennium to be the heels teacher when they could have chosen anybody and I know it comes down to the fact that I always had a strong sense of self and don't get me wrong it hasn't it hasn't been consistent I've lost that sense of self about like three identifiable times in my life it's when it's been strong that that has been like a key factor in how the success showed because then you're also in tune with like what you're here for you're also in tune with what you want from this with what you're desiring of it with why you love it you know like a sense of self comes down to knowing what you love so much that it's you you won't let anything strip it away from you even you stripping it away from you because if we are love at our core then a strong sense of self is knowing what you love and how much love you are within that sense of love I look back at the times that I've experienced huge success, whatever accolade came in my career. I always cared to be not only enjoyable to be around, but I also wanted to enjoy myself while I was there. You know, I think that's another big factor. And then I would say the last thing is an extreme dedication to consistency and commitment to to being my most professional self, like even if no one was watching. In any rehearsal I've ever been in, I'm like, I want to be the hardest working dancer in this room. I want to be the most respectful dancer in this room. I want to be the most enjoyable dancer in this room. And not from a competitive place, but from a goal. I was inspired by that. If I looked around a rehearsal and I saw someone on their phone or I saw someone talking, not out of wanting to be better than them, but they were just a mirror of what I didn't want to be because I I saw it as disrespectful. So I'm like, okay, I, I recognize this, right? So I was just always inspired to be my most professional self in all settings, but also an enjoyable professional. Because sometimes when you take it too seriously, you could be very unenjoyable. You could not enjoy yourself as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I to narrow it down, it was those three factors. Yeah, like a strong sense of self, being enjoyable and enjoying it to the fullest extent no matter what you are, what circumstances you're under, we all benefit from someone that's enjoying themselves and that is enjoyable to be around. And then, yeah, a a very strong consistency to professionalism, getting the job done, working hard and not letting a sense of tiredness or fear or mental blockage or whatever the case is, like fear of judgment, of what others are thinking, like not letting any of that get in the way of you doing your best. I love it. So it sounds like all of that was very conscious. Like you sat down and thought, okay, I want to be a professional. Or is it just in hindsight that you're able to see those things made you successful? Or was there kind of a moment where you're like, okay, I see that when I go to a rehearsal, people are on their phones. I don't want to be like that. I want to be like this instead. Did you have kind of this clarifying moment where you identify the type of person and characteristics you wanted to have? And would you recommend that people do that in whatever endeavors they're in right now? Or was it kind of just something that you just embodied naturally? Yeah, I think when I was younger, it was a very natural thing. And then as I got older, it became a very conscious thing. Yeah, I I think it switched maybe when I was about starting to work as a professional. Yeah, it was it was when I booked my first job at 14. And now I was getting paid for this dance job. And I'm in this rehearsal where there is a very hard choreographer who was up my ass a lot. You know, (laughs) it was like that 
that like experience of, oh no, now I'm not paying to take class. Now I'm being paid to do this job. And now they are very, they're being very critical of the job we do because we, they know they're paying us now. The roles have switched, you know, because when you're paying for class when you're younger and you're in these recital type studios, at least the ones I grew up in, it was a little bit more love and fun based instead of like this performance is going to air on television kind of a thing where there's a harder eye. When the roles switched, I realized the level of professionalism that really needs to go into this. And when I was getting picked on in that first rehearsal, which I, you know, I ended up crying after one of those first rehearsals of my first job because I felt really picked on. No one else was getting called out as much as I was on like things to fix. I think this was actually a very framing experience that happened. You know, after my rehearsal, I told my mom who picked me up because I didn't drive in. And I was like, mom, I'm really hurt. Like, I feel like this choreographer is picking on me a lot, maybe emotional. I was crying to her. And she was like, why don't you go tell him how you feel? And I was like, like, what? Like, I didn't even think that was an option, you know? Yeah. And she, she was like, well, I think it's smart that you do because you don't want to show up to rehearsal the next day and feel how you feel right now. My mom really pushed me to be the communicator that I am, to be honest. And, and, and when I'm realizing this, actually, in hindsight now. And so I ended up going up to the choreographer that within that moment. You know, I walked up to him. I said, I talked to you alone, please. I was shaking. I was so nervous. This was like the first time I've ever vocalized my feelings to an authority figure where I felt like they were picking on me. You know, and now I'm telling them how I feel. It was very new. I was very nervous. But the way you get over nerves is by facing them, right? There's no, There's no way around it. Right. And so I did. I faced my fears. I sat down face to face and looked this choreographer in the eyes. I said, I, I feel like you're thinking on me, you know, like I feel like I can't do anything right. Like I am trying so hard. And then I said everything that I felt. And then um, his name was Chucky. Afterwards, he ended up booking the Michael Jackson tour. He's like a really amazing choreographer and dancer. But he was so touched that I was coming to him with these feelings. I remember feeling immediately relieved because he was only tender and compassionate to what I was sharing. And he ended up saying, you know, Bryn, the reason why I had so many corrections for you is because I kept watching you. You're you're someone that keeps pulling my eye in a good way. You dance very big. You know, you, you're catching my attention. And because you're catching my attention, I keep having corrections for you to help make you better. And he was like, not one of the things I was doing was actually trying to make you feel picked on. I just kept having corrections for you because you kept catching my attention. I think you're a great dancer. I want to pour into you. And so he flipped the script on me. And now all of a sudden I felt like, oh, he loves me more, you know, than, than not the other dancers, but like I'm pulling his attention more than, than maybe the other dancers. Like, and so that's why he had a lot to say. And I could tell it wasn't like to just kiss my ass, you know, because he could have fired me. Like it's a job. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like he, he didn't have to keep me on this job. And so I believed what he had said. And then it made me come to rehearsal the next day with a, with a thicker skin because I was like, okay, when someone really wants you to do good, they might have a lot to say. You know, they, they might have a lot of constructive criticism and that doesn't mean that you're doing bad. It actually means that they want the best for you. It changed my mentality on that. And so, yes, I think, um, through the experience, through these experiences, right, through these dance experiences where my skin had to get tougher. And um, I realized the level of like mental attitude you had to have in these situations. I started to become very conscious of these experiences of like, okay, how do I want to show up? You just start to realize all these things that a choreographer is looking for from you. And so that's why it became conscious was because the experiences became more conscious. 
That's incredible. And so would you say you bring the same level of consciousness to the relationships that you have in your life, whether it's your boyfriend or your daughter? She has the cutest daughter, y'all. You got to look her up on Instagram. It's just the cutest, sweetest thing. (laughs) I think you were, or I don't think, I know you were one of the first shining examples of someone who just led by example and showed me that I not only had to just be a mom, because I'll be real, before I became a mom this year, I was so nervous to get pregnant and I was so nervous to have children because I thought that I was just going to be a mom. And I love my career. I love my clients. I love my relationships with my friends. I love so many things in my life that I was nervous. I thought, okay, your life is over. You just have to be a mom. And then I think I watched an Instagram live you did with someone. It might've been Jay Sean's wife. Oh, Tara. Yep, yep, yep. And I think you guys were talking about being moms and also having other interests outside of just motherhood. So you were one of the first shining examples for me that it's so important to have a life and identity beyond just being a mom. And it can be so easy to lose ourselves in motherhood. Do you bring that same kind of intentionality and consciousness that you have in your whole entire career? And obviously that's why you're so successful. Are you that conscious in your relationships with your daughter, with your boyfriend, with your friends? Or again, is that something that kind of just comes naturally to you at this point? I feel at this point, I'm almost conscious to a fault. <laughs> I'm trying to find the balance. It's like, it's one of those things, like the more conscious you become, it starts to feel like a blessing and a curse. But honestly, it only is a blessing. It's just so much of a blessing that it's overwhelming. And you start to realize how many choices you have and how many, if you choose this, this can happen. And if you choose this, this could happen. Really, it's, yeah, it's becoming aware of all the choices that you have and what the outcome of those choices will be, that you are the creator of your reality based on your thoughts that form beliefs, that cause feelings, that create outcomes. You'll never unknow that. <laughs> you know, you, you can't forget that once that's clicked for you, once that has become a true understanding of how we operate as human beings. And so yes, when it comes to Nala, when it comes to Ryan, my boyfriend, when it comes to my career, when it comes to even how I run social media, do you know, I won't even post a story without submitting good energy into that post. As I pressed post, I always close my eyes and I imagine the energy reaching other people the way I want it to. Oh my God. So it's like, that's how deep it's gone. It's like, like you can't turn it off. But like I said, it is, it is a blessing. It's the most responsible thing any of us could do when we go about any moment of every day, when we show up in any relationship, when we say yes to a job of any kind. Um, I think I talked about this in one of my three-part lives, I'm almost positive, where I mentioned, um, how we we need to check in with what we define responsibility to mean for us. For most of us, that word means paying our bills, like making sure that we brush our teeth day and night, like the normal responsibilities that in a sense, human conditioning has raised us to believe that that equates to a responsible human being. And what I feel we need to expand that into is overall consciousness. It is a part of our responsibility to be conscious in everything we do, in the food that we eat, in the ways that we expand ourselves through our passions, in our ability to love or what's blocking that ability. It's our responsibility to be aware of all of this at all times. Absolutely. And the three-part live you're talking about, I think is the discipline one. (laughs) I'm like, thank you. I have them all memorized. So if you need to know at any point what the transcripts are. I love you. Yes. Um, But yeah, I think it's the discipline one. But I I love what you're saying there. And can you just briefly define what consciousness means and being conscious means for somebody who's listening and they're like, okay, that sounds great. But what the heck are you talking about? And how do I actually do that? 
pretty much it's the act of becoming aware is consciousness. It's the act of becoming aware and that understanding that there's levels to that because it's not as easy. It, it gets easier, but it's not as easy in the beginning to just go from unconscious to conscious. It takes a lot of unraveling if you dependent on everyone's personal uh, relationship with consciousness and becoming aware of thoughts and feelings, right? So it's like, for me, the first step was like realizing, oh, yeah, my thoughts do form feelings. And those feelings do make me feel some type of way that I can see has created a specific outcome. Oh, shit. Like, okay, I see that. And then it's like, that you still have pockets in your life where you feel that doesn't apply. And then you're like, wait a second, how can I believe that's true over here, but I don't believe it's true over here? That doesn't make sense. Okay, that's hypocritical. If I believe I'm the creator of my reality over here, then I also have to start to realize I am also over here in this area as well. So it's very layery, the coming to consciousness. It's different for everybody, like I said, because it depends on, in a sense, how much you have to unravel. But in short, the definition of consciousness is to become aware. It sounds like there was almost, I kind of want to bring this full circle. So you were dancing and then you became a choreographer and between being a choreographer, teaching your dance classes through Pumpidence, which you guys should also follow on Instagram because the (laughs) videos are insane. Um, Brynn is one of the best dancers I've ever seen in my life. Like I'm not just saying that. So definitely watch her dance videos on YouTube as well. Um, But okay. So you were, you were dancing girl. You were dancing, you were doing your thing. You were on tour. You came back, you started choreographing. And then it seems like there was almost this spiritual shift. Was that as a result of something happening in your life? Did you have this aha moment or spiritual awakening, which led you to bridge dance and divinity, as you like to say? And you can kind of you can talk about the transition too, because I think this is a good segue to talk about your new ventures and your new coaching style and your new spirituality and infusing all of that into dance and kind of bridging the gap between the two. But was there something that led you to that? Was it a a spiritual awakening or an aha moment? Or was it just kind of like this awareness that you're cultivating this consciousness like you're talking about? Yeah. You know, it's just, it's so funny. Like to answer that question, yes, of course there was like identifiable moments that led me to search for more tools than I felt I had available to me when it comes to my mentality and understanding my own blockages and my emotions and all of the things that one would need to become sovereign internally. But in hindsight, we're all on this constant spiritual awakening from the day that we're born. So truly it's been like 31 years of spiritual revelation that has just led to a merge where I realize it doesn't have to be separate. But I also feel like there is a reason why we might master certain things separately before integrating them. It's kind of like the whole concept in a sense of yin and yang, you know, the the our dark shadow, our shadowy aspects, and then our light beings and being able to kind of spend time in one all the way helps us understand it very much. But then over time, we realize if we only go down that road, where's the other half? Like we need balance. Mm-hmm. And so that's what started to happen with me is I kind of always, I was always on this spiritual kick of craving 
to have answers of like, why are we even here? Like I would, I constantly had those thoughts of like, what's the point of this all? Even when I was doing really well or having a great success over here and maybe relationships were flourishing, I still would like zoom out and be like, what's the point? Like, like I, I always had that, like, why are we even here? Like, and how did we get here? And did I have met many past lives? Like, there was always that next, you know, a higher level of awareness of like, there's more. There's more than just this uh, tangible 3D reality that I, I didn't have those words yet back then. But um, when I was 11, that was my first time where I had a very strong case of OCD take over my life. And that that's a mental disorder. And it's very disorderly. It's a world that makes you believe pretty much the same concept that the spiritual law of the universe is, is that you create your own reality. But what OCD does is it it leads with fear instead of love. And so like the spiritual law of the universe is like, you have these choices, you're the creator, what do you want to create? Look at this, it's so beautiful. But then what OCD does, it goes, oh, but how many bad things could I also create? You know, like it challenges you in that fearful way. Really quick, can you explain what OCD is? Because before you actually talked about this and opened up about this, I just had the impression that OCD was like, okay, I have to touch the doorknob six times before I leave the room or whatever. I had no idea that it was this exactly what you're talking about, this manifestation that our thoughts become things. And that's obviously can happen in a positive way, but then almost this fear that starts to control your life that it can happen in a negative way. So, oh my God, if I think that like, you know, somebody is going to die, then I'm going to bring that on them. And I'm the one who's responsible for stopping that. And that's a lot of pressure and fear. And I I don't, I don't know that a lot of people know that's actually OCD. So can you kind of talk about what OCD is and how you kind of realize that you had it and how it manifested for you? Yes, yes. I would love to give some education on this. Because also when I had it, I didn't know what it was either. So it was like, you know, some of these things are not thoroughly talked about enough for us to to have them at fingertips of reach. Like my mom, when I confided in her with what I was going through, she didn't know what it was either, you know, so, so happy to shed light on this. You know, OCD stands for obsessive compulsive disorder. And um, it's hard for some people, I think, maybe for me at least, to identify with it. And it's not because of fear or shame. It's because I am at a point with my understanding and belief system where I know if we over-identify with anything, we're keeping our connection to it alive. And so if you don't want to be something, don't keep identifying with it. Because then as long as you still identify with it, it will stay a part of you. And so I had, um, I was told through a dear friend that my spirit guides wanted me to reframe OCD as official choice decision, make it stand for that instead of obsessive compulsive disorder to rename it as official choice decision, because it really energizes it in a whole different way. But yet it's exactly what it is. It just reminds you that you're always having a choice and whatever choice you choose is what will equate to how you feel. And that's all that this is. It's just an official choice decision, you know, but um, what OCD can do if you don't understand that, if you don't understand that what OCD can do is it makes you believe that your mind is so powerful that yes, like you said, it's responsible for the outcomes of like everyone around you which is so far from true. I mean, it like puts the world on your shoulders. It makes you hypersensitive of 
kind of everything in in not a beautiful way, in a way of kind of associating it with whatever triggers you the most. So everyone's OCD looks different because OCD takes what you care about the most and adds fear to it. So let's say for you, let's say what you cared about the most was um, injury of any kind, whether it be to yourself or to your husband, whatever the case is, then if you were experiencing OCD, then you would start to maybe fear or see injury in like everything around you. And in order to avoid that happening, you might do a compulsion that would alleviate the possibility that that could happen. And the compulsion could be, yes, whatever your mind says, do this five times and then no one will get injured or put this candle over there and then everyone will be safe, so and so forth. So the compulsion, quote unquote, like alleviates the fear, but it's temporary because the moment that you feed that, the moment that you moved the candle from A to B, thinking that the candle is going to be the deciding factor in everyone staying safe or not, then you just fed the idea that all these things outside of you are controlling your reality. And so if your mind felt relief in that moment from moving that candle A to B, then your mind will continue to find other things it can do to keep feeling relieved. But you're searching in the wrong place for relief. The relief is actually in the fact that I decided the candle has that power. So if I decided the candle has that power, I actually don't need the candle. I just need my own change of thought. Oh my God. I feel like I'm having mind blown moment. So you know what this reminds me of too? As you were talking about this, I see this so commonly with new moms who get scared about something because you're responsible for another human being. If you're a first time mom for the first time in your life, you're responsible for the life of someone else. And so how I see this manifesting is you feel the fear of like something bad happening or something going wrong. So then you Google it. And the Googling is almost the compulsion because you're like, okay, I just need to make sure this is okay. I just need to make sure that there's nothing wrong here. But then, of course, you know, you go and Google and you start Googling symptoms or, you know, things that other moms experiences on these forums of like worst case scenarios. But then it sends you even more into a spiral and you get pulled down and down and down. Mm -hmm. So it keeps feeding this addiction to try to know or predict the outcome or protect yourself or those around you from outcomes. So as you were saying that, I just, yeah. I, I relate to that so much. <laughs> so I'm like, oh shit, girl. We gotta talk about yeah. This. <laughs> no, yeah. Like it's so beautiful that you were able to take my experience and see how it could be a mirror for something that is relatable in your experience. Because that's the thing is what OCD is, is in my opinion, the most severe case of realizing that you're the creator. Mm-hmm. In, in a negative way, in a fearful way. But so to that testament, I believe every single person, every single human being has a case of it to a degree. Because it's that, you know, sometimes you go on Instagram to relieve yourself of the fact that you or let's say like, just think of a random example, let's say you have an ex on Instagram, right? And it's like, you're obsessing over like, who are they liking? Who are they commenting on? Who are they following? And so to relieve that curiosity, you go to their page and you go search what they're doing. And so you're relieving the obsessive compulsive behavior by, you know, going to look at it and going to figure it out and try to problem solve. And then you're like, okay, I feel better. I got to see it. But then the next day happens, you're like, who did they like today? So we all have a sense of it, but when we understand what it's made of and how it gets fed, because really it's it's just a game of the mind. 
just it's a mind game. Absolutely. People who listen to this podcast, a lot of people resonate with this show because I speak openly about my struggles with food and I binge ate. You know my story, girl. One of the things also, I just got to tell you guys, one of the things Bryn said that blew my mind that I will remember for the rest of my life, the thing that was eating you alive before is the thing that's feeding you now. Meaning the thing that I had before, which was my eating disorder, which was literally eating me alive, is now the thing that's feeding me, literally, <laughs> you know, in terms of my finances and being able to right. coach people through this because of my own experience. So yeah. just as a side note, that's yeah. one of the things that I love that you've taught me. Chills and, and chills. Exactly what I said to you is is exactly the case of everything that we just talked about for me. You know, it was the it was the thing that was like fucking my mind is now feeding my mind. You know, one hundred percent. It's the same exact thing. Like that. It was me getting so sick of this mind game. It was me feeling so pissed off that I'm like a victim to my own mind is what it felt like. And constantly listening to things within it that I don't want to listen to, you know, and feeling frustrated at believing what it's saying when I don't want to believe it, you know, and feeling this sense of powerlessness that made me go on the hunt to heal it to resolve it and find my own mental strength and mental agility and resilience so much so that I did so much so that I'm like, I can't be the only one that like is either going through this or that needs these tools. And now that I have been so actively searching and healing for this self-awareness and healing the lack of that allowed me to realize, wait a second, like this isn't separate from anything else I do. It's just another component. I care to infuse and it would fill me so much to create a place where what has come so easy to me can bridge with what has been very challenging for me. And if those two can meet, then I think that could create a home for everyone because it's not limited to only one demographic anymore. Just like what I said to you, you know, how exactly that quote, what was once eating you alive is now feeding you. All of our greatest challenges, if we realized this, this is the biggest game changer. All of our greatest challenges, even ones that you think you never thought you would ever talk about, like you ne- you thought it would be so shameful for you to ever expose like that thing that you had to overcome or that happened in your experience. If you were to make that a part of your purpose, healing it a part of your purpose, then you would realize, wait, I bet other people could really use this healing too. And then it becomes a part of your work. That's how it happens. Like these these things that were so harmful. I look back in hindsight that like I would be in my bathtub like hysterically crying because I was so frustrated. It has now allowed me to make a monthly membership where I've stabilized myself on this online platform that integrates the thing that like I was crying about in my bathtub. Now it's like, I have so many tools to help other people, you know, make their life better from that moment, you know? Absolutely. And I want to kind of wrap this uh, together for people because bridging the gap between what we were talking about with OCD, quickly, can you give us an example of what that might manifest itself as for somebody who struggles in their relationship with food and their body? Because I think that People will find so many answers within your membership, and we're going to go deep into what the membership is. It's the most incredible thing I've ever been part of. I've been part of it since day one, baby girl. But I want people to see, because I think some people might still, like you said, when you identify with something so closely, or maybe it turns you off. Maybe you're like, 
oh, I don't have that. Because I know sometimes, especially when I was binge eating, I was like, I'm not a binge eater. I don't do that. It's just something that's happening. Um, and you uh, almost like get to off without yeah, yeah, wanting yeah. to identify with the negative thing. But what would OCD manifest as in somebody who's currently struggling with their relationship with either food or body confidence? Can you think of a specific example to maybe bring it home for somebody who's listening? Yeah. I mean, it ties back into just any level of fear because what OCD does is it capitalizes on what you, in a sense, love the most and what you fear the most. And then it uses it to kind of control you. And so that could tie into any level of harmful relationship with food, where it's like food is something we all love. I mean, who the fuck doesn't love food? Like it's like, it's, it's so, it tastes so good, you know, and it gives us energy and it's, delicious to look at when well made, you know, I mean, and there's memories around food. I mean, so I would imagine that how that could tie into someone that has a harmful relationship with food is that it's taking something you love and then using your fears and then finding a way for all of that to control you negatively when the truth is that every single thing can be shifted. There's not what I mean, we are made of energy that is literally shiftable by nature. Nothing is formed until we form it. Not even a human being. Like it's nothing is formed until we form it. With that said, it's like if you could form something to be this thing and now it has this life that it took on and that life it took on isn't serving you, you can shift that. Like That can change. You can go, wait a second, I formed this relationship. I'm feeding it with my thoughts and my feelings and my belief system but yet it's not serving me. And I don't like how it's making me feel. And I don't like what's coming of it. Well, good. That contrast is very helpful to help you create a reality that you want. And I was listening to Abraham Hicks the other day and Abraham was saying, you know how sometimes we all have that experience where we know more of what we don't want than we do what we want. He was like, you know that? And everyone's like, yep. It's like, but that contrast, that that process of elimination. This is what I don't want. This is what I don't like. This is what I don't want to keep it creating, so on and so forth. Then all those realizations of what you don't want, all you have to do is sit there and be like, what's the opposite of those things? Ah, okay. So what I don't want, what I don't like is happening with my relationship with food. These things I can identify I don't like are just helped me identify the opposing force so that I can see, oh, oh yeah, this is what I want. This is what I do like. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible because so many people come to me and talking to them about what they're struggling with and they rattle off a list of things that they don't like. I don't like this about myself. I don't like my body. I don't like my relationship with food. I don't want to be fat. I don't want to be this. I don't want to be that. I don't want to struggle anymore. And then the next follow-up question I always ask them is, okay, so what do you want? Because until you clearly define what do you want- right? you're never able to see what's possible for you. And I don't know if you told me this, but I think it's very important. Your manifestation or your idea that the worst case scenario can happen, the best case scenario is just as likely as the worst case scenario. But our brains are hardwired in the self-protection mechanism to think and expect and plan for the worst just so we're prepared when really it doesn't prepare us anyway. 
Exactly. Yeah, it's a mentality that doesn't serve us anymore. It served us at a time where we had to like fend for ourselves, but um, that has evolved greatly. We're, we now live in houses. We now have stability in human nature that wasn't always there. So now it's about surviving the inner world and, and making it work for you. Let's talk about your membership because I think this is a beautiful segue. So for people who are okay. struggling with literally anything we've talked about today and you're like, I yeah. need to know more. I need to do some work on this because I remember when I saw you kind of making this transition into what would you define it as? What would you call yourself now? A spiritual leader, a coach? Yes. I So a dance mentor and a spiritual guide. Those mm. are the two terms that I identify with. Beautiful. So as you were yeah. kind of transitioning just from dancing, just from choreographing, and you started to bring the spiritual element into that, I really started to be pulled to you and attracted to you and really wanting to know more about how you were making these shifts within yourself, which you so beautifully share and lead by example. And one thing that you've taught me is that when we admire something in someone else, it's simply a mirror reflecting back to us what's already within us. And mm -hmm. that was huge for me because if I was seeing in you this beautiful, divinely feminine, courageous woman who was able to take control of her mindset and truly change her life, I knew that was possible for me. And it has become my reality mm -hmm. because I've worked with you and because I've been part of your membership. So can you kind of give us a rundown of how the membership came to be? Like, how, why why now? Why did you create the membership now? Was it as a result of quarantine and everything transitioning online? Yeah. Or was it deeper than that? Or kind of a, because I know you said you're business minded, but you're also very spiritual minded and wanted to share with everybody what you had been through yourself. So can you kind of lead yeah. us through that transition? Yes. First of all, Jules, like hearing you talk about how much this membership means to you and how much you've gained from it and how it's been an assist in all that you have wanted to experience within yourself. I'm like melting over here, by the way, because, <laughs> you, you know, what, when you become so conscious, you stop making it all about you. So every time you're saying that, it's like my ego wants to be like, oh my God, I created this thing that's made you <laughs> feel this way. But then it's like my spirit goes, well, sort was just using you to create this portal that like is meant to help other people and it's like this beautiful though conversation inside where I'm like either way it's great <laughs> I'm just really I love hearing you talk about it but two years ago no now it would be three years ago three years ago I it was the contrast in my confidence room like when confidence started it was lit like my class was so hype and everyone was fired up. There was so much love. It was like, it was the class to be at for sure. And like the energy that translated in the videos was only half of what was really there, like in person. But then when, when heels and dance in general just started kind of exploding via YouTube and more people desired to become teachers and not always for the right reasons. I started to see this shift in energy in, in class. And it was that shift of people that I felt like um, were coming here for superficial reasons. I started to feel, oh, some people aren't coming here because they're remembering that they love to dance. They're coming here so that they can be a part of this viral video or they're coming here so that they can make a connection. So hopefully they can get a featured clip in this next experience or whatever the case is. And you just started to feel this. Um, I started to feel this shift in the dance world where not everyone was in it for the right 
reasons, right reasons being heart-centered, leading with the heart. Of course, I'm sure like the root of it was right because it's like they wanted to see dance go far for them, right? Like they wanted to make these connections. They want to be in these class videos. That's a part of a right reason. But when it's coming from any kind of ego, right, that's when it's, uh, it's getting off alignment there. So with that said, it was feeling that shift in my room and starting to feel like I started to crave people that walked in very aware of their energy. I started to crave a community where I didn't only have to, uh, where I could show up and be in whatever I was. Sometimes I didn't want to show up to class and be lit. Sometimes I wanted to show up to class and cry. Sometimes I wanted to show up to class with no makeup because I was constantly reminding myself, wait, like, I want this to be a home. And when you're home, you show all sides of you, right? Like you're, you don't always come right. home and you're done 24 seven camera ready. Like I really wanted my class to embody a level of authenticity that I felt like the studios I was teaching at weren't necessarily geared around that kind of authenticity. You know, they're very industry driven. I fucking love these studios that I teach at, which being Millennium and Playground, they're very industry driven. That's their gear. That's what they, they operate on. And I had this dream of like owning a studio that integrated the kind of energy you might feel when you walk into a yoga class, where it's like everyone is conscious of their space. Everyone puts their mat out and closes their eyes and takes moments to themselves before they just start the flow, you know? So it's like, I started to realize like, oh, I want a class experience like that, where people come in conscious, where you're aware of your energy. I remember one time I had a student of mine tell me like, I don't want to come to class today because I'm not having a good day. And I was like, but wait, that's even more reason to come. That's when you come. <laughs> and then she was like, well, I know you're filming and I don't, I don't want to be good for the video. I'm like, I don't have to put you on camera. You don't have to feel that way. You can let me know, Bryn, I just want to come to dance today. I don't want to be in the video. And I'm like, fuck yeah. I won't pick you then, but at least you still danced. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted people to know that in my room and in my community, you could be that way. You could come. like like that. You know what I'm saying? So it, those were the roots. Those were the seeds for my desires to integrate a more conscious community of dance. But then it was quarantine for sure. It was like the whole everyone stay at home situation that made me go, okay, this is my prime opportunity where I can create something from the ground up that integrates dance and inner world. And everything was already shifting online with like dance classes and all this stuff. And I was like, well, I can make video content. This is my opportunity to make tutorials, which I had yet to do that via my own platform. I'd made some like through other companies, but not my own. And I was like, maybe that's what this could be is like this full integration of dance and spiritual healing where they're not separate. And it took me having a gorgeous, you know, collaborative meeting with my web designers who are brilliant. They're two women. It's a team, JNF creatives. And they helped me discover like they were the computer brain behind the membership. I told them what I want to create and they offered me ways I can do it virtually. And we talked about, yeah, we were like, do we want to make it a course? And I was like, well, I feel like a course doesn't really keep someone consistent because it's just like a one-time thing. And I was like, I want what I told them. I was like, what helped me grow the most, whether it was through spirituality or dance, was consistency. When it came to spirituality, I had a, a weekly session with my healer for three years. Every week I saw her. 
And then would dance, would dance. Wow. I was dancing four to five times a week. And it was with that level of weekly show up that I was quantum shifting. And so I knew in whatever I created, I want you to feel responsible to have like a monthly obligation to your passion, to your growth. And I felt like if you were people, if members of my community were receiving access to something every month, it could also feel like this excitement of like, oh, this is like, I signed up for this because I love to dance and I want to grow spiritually. And here's access to four new videos every month. You know, it's like consistency was really important to me in what, in the way I virtually produced this. And then lastly, the community aspect, which is why we do a membership Zoom at the end of every month to remind you that you're, you are a part of something that has a lot of independence, but don't forget there's an online community here. You have sisters from all over the world that are doing the same videos as you. So now we can talk about them. Now we can talk about these videos together and we could talk about what you did with them. And maybe a member could talk about one you didn't do yet. And now you have something to look forward to. Do you know how important it is to have things to look forward to? Mm, especially now in quarantine. Yeah. And so, yeah, that that's how it all kind of got off the ground. That's how, and, and hearing you and other members tell me like that this has done for them everything that I hoped it would. I'm like, holy shit, it worked. Oh my God. <laughs> like it's, it really worked. Like it's, it's, and it lights my fire day after day because every month I get to produce new content. So my fire is staying lit. Your fire is staying lit. It's just a mutual exchange. Yeah. And you know, what's crazy to me about this is that I've never seen anything like it before because you have the physical aspect, which I think is super important. I think people tend to focus on the physical aspect first when they think they need to change, you know, they're like, okay, I just need to get a gym membership. I need to start dancing. I need to start working out. I need to change my food. I need to do this. I need to do that. And that's important. That's definitely a piece of it. But how much are you actually investing on your inner growth? You might be listening to podcasts. You might be reading books. That's awesome. But where is the consistency and where's the community? Who is holding you accountable to doing that, to taking care of your inner world? That was the biggest mindset shift for me and the reason that I joined your membership in the first place. And I even do one-on-one sessions with Bryn because I need a place to hold myself accountable to my inner growth. There's only so much I can do through listening to a podcast or reading a book. Those resources are amazing. And it's so I'm so grateful where they're available to us. But beyond that, we have to dig deeper into why we are who we are, like why and how we are powerful creators of our own experiences and how our mindsets are actually the thing that's either going to make or break us, literally. What are some of the topics that you love talking about the most when it comes to uh, your membership? So what are some of the things that somebody can expect if they sign up for your membership to learn more about? Yes. So pretty much every the half of it is called going in with Bryn and then the other half is called dance therapy and it was really important for me to call it that because i think maybe hearing confidence to someone that is aware of my brand that might be like oh i've seen those girls i can't do that but i that's why i intentionally didn't say confidence and going in with Bryn because I want you to just see dance therapy as what this is. It's therapeutic. It's going to challenge you mentally, physically, emotionally, musically, but it's like, it's therapeutic first and foremost. 
And if you forget that, then you're getting off of alignment. I know I didn't answer your question just now, but I just segued into a little <laughs> no, thing. Okay, but <laughs> topics that you would hear me go into in the going in with brand portion um, are, are anything and everything within your inner world. I love breaking things off into condensed and specified topics. So you can really, really zero in on one specific thing, right? So in the first month, I talked about the art of detachment and I talked about divine femininity. And those two, I started with those two because both of those two things were saving graces for me personally. I think anything that one might probably talk about or preach about is something that person either needs or came from, you know, it's like, it's very, I think, obvious. And so the art of detachment allowed me to gain a sense of sovereignty and independence and self-responsibility that I didn't have before I learned the art of detachment. And a lot of things I shared in there, well, almost everything I shared in there is just derived completely from my personal experience of realizing where I was attached and being honest about those things I realized I was attached to and choosing detachment in a very healthy way. I think sometimes when we hear the word detached, you think someone that's not connected, but it's quite the opposite when you're doing consciously. When you're detaching an attachment consciously, then what you're really saying is I give you back your power and I take back mine with love. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing, I'm not detaching myself, like cutting you off, like peace out, homie, whether you're referencing a person or the camera or dance or a rela- whatever the cases, but it's you going, wait, I, I was attached to this in a very unhealthy way. And I now realize that and I'm taking my power back and I give you back yours. And so there's such an art to it. That's what I, that's why I said the art of detachment, because there's a way to do it where you get hurt and whoever you're cutting off or detaching from gets hurt. There's a way to do it where you feel more loved and whatever you're detaching from also feels more love. Mm. so there that's why it's artistic you know and and we're not always taught we're not taught this just by anyone or everything I just love that I there's a place that you can go to actually get skill sets internally that you might not have had before to navigate your own inner world okay and then and then the next topic that I went into was divine femininity which also really saved me because I guess you would think that was the case for me because I teach a heels brand, right? And and heels is very feminine style. But when I wasn't in my heels, I was actually pretty masculine. And in my relationships, predominantly, I was masculine more than feminine, um, not in everyone in my whole life, because that that shifts, you know, like our energy, masculine and feminine, it's ever changing, depending on what we're doing or who we're with, maybe you're with someone that's like super duper feminine. And so you might need to step up in your masculinity to just harmonize the experience, because it will feel like it's not harmonious. If both of you are extremely feminine, it's like, where's the balance in my marriage? where where I wished I knew back then, you know, I could have balanced that better is when he would get extremely masculine. At the time, I was like, oh, you think you could be masculine? So can I, you know, and so I would step up in my masculinity, but without realizing that there's so much power in divine femininity, I had such a misconception on femininity, um, due to lack of awareness of what it really entails. Like I thought that it was weak to be feminine in the face of masculine. You know, I didn't realize that that's the har- most harmonious thing you could do. <laughs> I didn't know it was powerful. I thought it was weak. 
And it took, you know, my healing sessions with my healer back then to teach me like, no, like this is what femininity really is. Yes, there's weak versions of masculinity and there's weak versions of femininity. There's shadowy experiences of both of them, but there's also very high versions of both of them. And if you know what makes femininity a high experience, then you're only being wise by stepping into that when you see someone get extremely masculine. It's actually very unwise to step into masculinity when someone else is already in their masculinity. That's fire on fire. Too much fire needs water. You know, Those are the first two that you'll get when you sign up for month one. And I think they're the most important to be in month one. And then it goes on and on and on from there. The most recent, we're in month 10 now. So I have 10 months of content available. And that's so crazy. It's almost a full year that this membership has been like so crazy. I actually should like throw a big party. That's so, yeah, it's been almost 12 months. The, the most recent two, the topics are how to make your dreams come true and how to heal with others. There's such universal topics all within the inner world. I love that. And people can buy those individually now as well, right? Yes, my love. Yes, because I, I'm aware that maybe some people might be intimidated by a monthly commitment, even though financially it makes so much more sense because for 44 a month, you get you get four whole videos, making each one only $11. But as individual videos, they're 22 each. And either way, whether you're a member or you're buying them individually, you have lifetime access to them. To me, you're stretching a dollar like so fucking well. You know, it's it's crazy when you think about how easy it is to spend 22 bucks or 11 bucks on a meal. And then it was one time you got to eat it. It was one time. Now it's gone. <laughs> well, just as you're saying that, my husband and I ordered Freshie tonight. I don't know if you if there's Freshie in LA, but we got two bowls. They were like just basic like rice, chicken, whatever. And then the meals that it came with, $65 for it to get delivered through Uber Eats. Oh. I know. I just like ripped my soul open. so crazy. And I'm like, okay, so literally I just don't order Uber Eats one time and I can be part of Brin's membership. Like, are you kidding? (laughs) I love that you just said that. Like, thank you. Because I've actually had, I've had a few, not a lot. I've had a few messages of women that go, I'm so sorry, Brin. I I had to cancel because I couldn't afford the 44 monthly and so on and so forth. And in my head, I'm like, I'm sure that that woman bought something this month that she didn't Mm -hmm. need. And instead of that thing that she didn't need, she just cut out this thing that's going to help her literally attract so much abundance that sooner than later, she's going to be like $44. That's easy for me. A hundred percent. Like you're, you're cutting out the tool that's going to teach you that $44 doesn't have to be nothing but a penny to you. Exactly. I think you did an Instagram live one time about relationships with money, but that's what it reminds me of too. It's like we have this idea that we are spending something like that we're not going to get back, but what is the cost of you not taking action on something that's important to you? Like if you are struggling with anything we've talked about in this episode, we're not just trying to sell you Bryn's membership. It's like this literally is going to help change your life. I would not have Bryn on this podcast and vouch for her if I didn't truly believe that deep down in the bottom of my soul. So if you are not willing to literally put your money where your mouth is and like do something about it for $44, like you could, you would go to one therapy session. That's like, I think my therapist, it's $190 yeah. for 90 minutes. Yeah. So, and you don't so. need to rewatch any of it. 
right? Yeah, exactly. And and one thing too, um, I know this question comes up quite frequently, or at least I anticipate it would. How is this different from therapy? Maybe people haven't had necessarily positive experiences with therapy, or they feel like it's too serious, or they're not ready to go there and do that deep work. Yeah. How I relate it, because I've been doing therapy and I work with Bryn, I would say therapy is great because it allows you to see the past. It allows you to see your childhood. It allows you to see why you are the way you are, blah, blah, blah. And Bryn helps you see those things, but from this bird's eye view that encourages you and gives you action steps to move forward. So it doesn't just leave it at like, oh, well, your childhood sucked. So that's why you're the way you are. Okay, good luck. See you next week. It's very much like, okay, this is how it is. And here's something you can actually freaking do about it. Yeah. And I, I'm not kidding when I tell you that I have watched the Divine Feminine one probably like five times. Wow. I think that's my favorite one. So if mm-hmm. anybody is looking to start, literally just start with month one because those are the most powerful videos that I've watched so far. Wow. And they keep getting better. But I mean, that one I've I've really had to work on in my own life. Yeah. Um, because of the polarity, like you're talking about, if one of the people in your partnership is more feminine and the other is more masculine, usually you would assume the male is more masculine and the female is more feminine. But we have to be masculine in some ways to get to the level of success we want to get to. Those are very driven masculine qualities. But when we don't shut that off, then there's no polarity in our relationship. Yeah. And therefore, we're just operating in this neutral place. Or like you said, it's fire and fire. You're both masculine or it's water and water and you're both too feminine and none of that works. There needs to be a polarity. So Yeah. I, for- I forget exactly what month I did. I released also a divine masculine video. I think it was month eight. Um, I can put- but yeah, it's, uh, but oh, it, it doesn't was, say the month. It's video twenty seven out of forty, so whatever month. That okay, is. okay, yeah, but because I I also realized I was like, damn, I'm pouring so much into my divine feminine that I actually lost touch with my masculine, and so it it's truly just to wrap up on that point. It's like it's all about the harmonious balance of both, and knowing that just because you have a vagina or a penis, that has nothing to do with masculine and feminine energy. That's just a body part. Um, Of course, though, you you know, there's testosterone and there's hormonal experiences within women that, of course, will affect like whether you might feel naturally more uh, feminine or more masculine. Also, I know within a male body, someone might have more feminine hormones, you know, flowing through them, equating them to, you know, possibly desire a sex change to feel more comfortable in the body that's causing this experience for them or whatever the case is. But it's, it's realizing that energy is not limited to the form and that we form it. You know, it's not our bodies that truly form it. It's up to us because I've met some women that feel like men and I've met some men that feel like women and I've met some women that feel like a great balance of both and, and, and men that feel like a great balance of both as well. And and so it's really just a, yeah about realizing it's all energy. We just want everyone to understand that there's a home that you could turn to that helps get the ball rolling because we I think you and I both understand the value of mentorship you know, and it's like, we see it in movies all the time. Like these movies that have great success stories, like Karate Kid, or like, I mean, any movie where there's an athletic figure that kind of like won in the end, there was mentorship. There was like some level of mentorship, whether it was in the coach or in the life experiences itself. But there was mentorship that went on for that person to have the skill sets that they had to get to the places they ended up going, overcoming whatever challenge was on their way it came down to the way they were mentored and the fact that there was discipline in that mentorship and so it's just like I think 
the only way that we can make quantum shifts is with that level of consistency. And I feel like I made, I feel like I made my mentorship really affordable and really easy to access because it's online. You know, you can lit, you can't, you know, what's so cool about this is you can't make an excuse. It's online mm-hmm. and you can do it on your own time. And there's no deadlines. There's no like, oh, you didn't do this month's content. Now you don't have access to it. There's no punishment. The only punishment would be the fact that you didn't commit to a level of consistency that's going to help you get where you want to go. That's the only punishment. But, but it's all available for, for you to be mentored. And now it's like, how do you want to make that work for you? And then I think one other important that we didn't get to, one other important component we didn't get to touch on is the, the fact that they all come with journal prompts. And I was just going to say that. Were you? Oh, okay, yeah. Because because it's like, it's those, you know, when back to therapy, like when you were saying the difference between the two, what I love about both of the kinds of videos here, like whether it's dance therapy or the going in aspect, is that you are being called to to either listen or or dance, right? And in the listening, there's so much opportunity for your own revelations to come up, right? So you're listening to a condensed amount of speech that is all there to impact you on a soul level. And when you're listening, it's creating so much space for your own answers to come up. You could pause it, you could rewatch it, you could rewatch, you know what I'm saying? Like you could work with this content in any way. And then after you've had those revelations come up, now you get to have journal, like a guided journal prompt that helps you uncover your own relation to what this was all here for, what this all was meant to show you. And so I personally like sit down, I kind of rewatch my own video and I go, what questions would be most helpful for someone to answer after they watch this or after they do this? Because there's also journal prompts for the dance tutorials. So most usually after the dance tutorials, there's some common questions that are included in every dance tutorial. It's like, what did this combo show you about yourself? What was physically hard about this combo? And how can you work at what was shown to you? more consistently like what's your plan with this combo create it's encouraging of you to like create a schedule with what you'll do with this combo so that the things you recognized were hard can become easier it takes what's hard and puts it into inspired action absolutely and it it makes it feel more encouraging too because then you're not just watching something i think that's part of the the problem with podcasts or books like i said they're helpful resources but it doesn't really allow time for self-reflection because how many times do you just listen to a podcast while you're making food or while you're driving or while you're doing something and you're thinking about a million other things or same thing with reading a book. But if you actually sit there and you have journal prompts and you watch the video and then you have time to reflect or you dance and then you have time to reflect about what did this experience actually show me? What did it bring up for me? What is it trying to show me and teach me? Then you're able to actually grow. And I think that's the critical component to this. The videos are helpful. Like I always joke around, I have breakfast with Bryn and I'll like watch the video (laughs) and I don't do the journal prompts every day time. But when I do the journal prompts, it's usually like I make it a date with myself. I make it like a sacred evening where mm-hmm. my husband's a fireman. So he does 24 hour shifts. So after I put my baby to bed and then the nights that he's not here, I'm like, okay, like I'm going to take some time for me. I'm going to date myself. I'm going to have an experience yes. of what I would want to show up as for a partner, but with myself. I would ask my partner questions. I would try to get to know them. I'd be curious about them. So how can I be that way for myself too? How can I be more curious? How can I pour into myself? How can I watch something that's going to help me grow as opposed to just being like, well, no one's here tonight. I'm going to eat Cheetos and watch Netflix. Like <laughs> that might right. be good for two minutes, but it's like, yeah. ultimately we don't, 
if we don't take the time to invest in ourselves, both financially and with our time and our resources and our energy, then how do we expect to live this happy, fulfilled, joyful life? We can't. It's impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think though that's the like that's the reforming of thought though is we think sometimes if we're not doing X, Y, and Z, then it's not productive. Mm. And it's this reprogram of like, no, if I do X, Y, and Z from a disconnected place, X, Y, and Z is not going to actually have quality, intention, good energy pushing it forward. You know, sometimes I wake up and the first thing I think is like, oh, I need to do this, this, and this in order for my business to thrive. And I have to remind myself, well, if I do that, that, and that before I've even greeted myself, hello, mm-hmm. before I've even said, hey, Bryn, how are you? <laughs> how are you feeling today? Mm-hmm. And took a moment to just check in with me before I do X, Y, and Z, then those things that I could be proud I got done, they're going to be such a temporary high because I didn't do them from the purest place I could from that like most filled place of, of wholeness you know? Yeah. So this journey of self-awareness and expansion pays off in every way, not just like one, two, like in every way and in, in every area. Yeah. So I think that's a really good place to end this because I want to be respectful of your time too. And obviously the listeners, yes. time. how would you say this work has impacted you most profoundly? If there's one thing that you could share with people that's like, if you do the work, this is the result. Obviously, it's different for everyone, but what has been the biggest shift and change that you've seen in yourself and therefore your own life as a result of doing this inner work? Oh my God, such a good question. I'm like, I've chills everywhere. I mean, the, the result of doing this work is the realization that there is constant expansion possible in every area of your life, like in every area and as long as you follow these little things that light you up it'll keep exposing more and more and more and that is so rewarding realizing like oh my god this little thing that lit me up I thought it was meaningless but because I followed it it showed me more light and more light and more light and so the most rewarding thing is realizing that when you follow the light there's more Mm. That's so beautiful. I think that's such a good contrast to what's going on in the world today where it seems like there's so much darkness, but you can create light and you can create light within you and you can be the light and therefore you shine brighter and impact the people around you, which is how you make true change. The most inspiring thing is a person being, you know, like being it. Instead of preaching it or being it. Yeah. And so I'm always having to check myself too. I'm always having to make sure that I tell people all the time, like, don't just go on your phone in the morning, do this to be connected to yourself. And then I do it. And I'm like, I always have to go, Bryn, practice what you preach. Sometimes it's, it, it, sometimes it is easier said than done, but that only is applicable in the beginning because once you get started, you go, oh shit, it, it, it is easy. Yeah. I just had to make it a new habit. Mm-hmm. And that can require a little bit of effort to make it a new habit. But once it's a habit, worth it. <laughs> and it's worth the effort for sure. Yeah. Sometimes it's not a little bit. Of, sometimes it's a lot of fucking effort, you know, like yeah. to make a new habit because maybe the habit you're trying to change is deeply ingrained. So sometimes it's a lot of effort, but the effort will get more minimal. You'll create a new habit that becomes second nature. The last thing I care to say in this beautiful podcast that I'm so grateful that you brought me on for is that everything gets easier the more you know it. 
So whatever you're wanting to know or expand in that seems far away right now, the only reason it seems far is because you don't know it that well. Mm. But it, anything will get easier the more you get to know it. That's so beautiful. Yeah. What's one thing that you would leave someone with to get to know their inner world better? What's one tangible thing that somebody can do literally two seconds after listening to this podcast? They're super inspired. They want to take action. They already signed up for your membership, but yeah. they want to get started and learn one thing about their inner world. Where can they start? Questions. Questions come with answers. So you would ask yourself, questions leave space to sometimes I know I want to ask myself something but I don't know what I want to ask myself and I just try to go into my heart space and leave space for my heart to ask whatever it wants and I just will let whatever come up come up so maybe it's like how did that make you feel maybe it's as simple as that how did that make you feel and then answer that question and then ask a question to the answer that came of that question So let's say you're like, oh, that made me feel inspired. Why did that make you feel inspired? Well, because it showed me that I do have a choice. Okay, well, what choices do you now realize you have? So it's the questions. The questions come with answers. So keep asking questions to your answers and you'll get somewhere. I love that so much. Thank you so much for being on here. There's so many things that I could just talk to you for seven hours. (laughs) (laughs) Well, luckily we have a one-on-one session after this. I know. I know. I love it so much. I can't get enough of brand. I'm like, okay, we're doing a podcast and we're talking for another hour by ourselves. (laughs) If you guys want more of Bryn, like I called her booty shaking Bryn. Oh my God. I love it. I love it. Yeah. You just, you would go to going in with Bryn.com, right? To sign up for your membership. Let people know where to find you. Thank you. Yes. Well, you nailed it. And you know, just as well as I do. But yes, it's going in with brand.com is my website where the membership, the three part lives and the one on one uh, like information if anyone wanted to do one on ones as well healing fun sessions like Juby does, or one on one dance privates or the individual video content is all there. My Instagram is at love Brenda Cole. And confidence is my other Instagram and then youtube.com backslash Brenda Cole. <laughs> Love it. And just so everybody knows who's listening to this, you don't have to be a dancer to be part of Bryn's tribe. Like just yeah. throwing that out there because I know a lot of people, like you said, are intimidated by that um, and can think, oh, I can't dance. I don't know if I can be part of her membership. I yeah. just being people here, I haven't done one of the dance videos because when I signed up, I was pregnant AF and then I had a C-section. So then I literally couldn't walk for a few months. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just getting back into it and I'm so excited to start the dance portion. But yeah. that all I'm speaking from the experience of never even doing a dance video. That's how much it's changed my life. So if you're a dancer, it's going to be 10 times more powerful, I'm sure. Yeah, even if you're not, like, girl, what are you waiting for? You need to sign up for this yesterday. Yesterday. (laughs) Go to her website before you ask yourself questions. The only question is, how do I sign up? (laughs) Oh, my God. I love you. Like, do you want to be my manager or something? (laughs) Yes, 100%. the spot is open. <laughs> yes. Hype girl. Number one brand's hype girl. Um, okay. Well, I love you so much. Thank you for being here. Everybody go connect with Bryn. And if you have any questions about anything we talked about, I'm sure she would love for you to DM her or you can DM me. If you have any questions about her membership, she's happy yeah. to answer them too. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jules. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Thank you. <laughs> Ugh, wasn't that just epic and incredible and everything you hoped it would be and more? 
That's how I felt about this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you loved it. If you did, please share it on your Instagram story. Tag myself at Healthy Happy Podcast and tag Bryn at Love Bryn Nicole. Let us know that you're listening. Let us know your biggest takeaways. And don't forget that my book is now available for you to order at all major retailers. You can get it at Barnes and Noble. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it at Indigo. All of those links you can find at julieboer.com slash book. And I hope you love your copy of Healthy and Happy, Find Food Freedom and Create the Body You Love. I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.